Hi again, everybody. Welcome to the chatter, moms and dads, boys and girls. We've got a great guest tonight. I know. I'm excited. Missy's, oh, besides you, Mark. Yeah. Oh, he didn't uh, mean you. No, you're, we, you're the yeah, normal. No, he's yeah. just an ordinary. Yeah, just an ordinary. Yeah. guest. We have we have an extra ordinary guest, Missy Stone from Reprotection. And we're going to talk to her right after we begin in the name of the, the Father, Father, and the, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Remember, O oh most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession, was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, Despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We are days away when we air this, Colleen. By the way, this is show episode 79. 79. Nice. And uh, we're recording on Monday the 6th, but when you air this on the uh, 10, 11, and 12 of March, we will be just days away Mm. from... The big conference. Terry and Jesse are coming so to Dubuque, live in, live in Dubuque at the Grand River Center. That's down in the Ice Harbor, 500 Bell Street. And if you don't have your tickets, we still have some tickets left. So Good. log Good. on, kcrd-fm.org or ticket customer service or just counseling. We have people that say, yeah, I got the tickets, but I wanted to talk to you. 563 Four or five. Well, and you know their topic. Everybody should be coming to this yeah. because yeah. the topic is about people that have left the faith. Uh, the title is the nuns, but it refers to people that mark none when are when they're asked about their faith. And every family has had people leave the faith, and so they are going to talk about the group that has left the church. Um, where did they go? Are they coming back? And what can we do and to facilitate? This that? is not Everybody insignificant. They are the second largest group of religious group that isn't a religious group right the nuns n-o-n-e-s but uh it's it's amazing and i don't know a family that doesn't have someone who's walked away from their faith touches every family so every everybody that hears our voice should be coming to that conference can i have two minutes or one minute You've never One you've never met the deadline. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay, so Father Dave Schatz talked this weekend about the Transfiguration mm-hmm. and how the twelve disciples walked with Jesus for like thirty days, mm-hmm. right? And they get to the mountain, and what's he do? He picks Peter, James, and John, and he says, "You three come with me up to the top of the mountain." And they go through the Transfiguration and all this stuff. And he says, as they're coming down the mountain, he said, "Now don't tell anyone what just happened." And Father Schatz goes. What's the biggest part of having a secret? It's that you know something, and you have to then share it with somebody else because otherwise they don't know that you have a secret. <laughs> and he said, so, but out of that, what he talked about, which I thought was really interesting, was evangelization. Those three could not tell anybody else, but yet they probably did. And it's like their job was to evangelize. So he said, each one of you, Go out and pick nine people in your lives that need to be brought back to church and evangelize them. Hmm, well, your neighbors, this would be your a family. Great, a great way to do it. A great way to do that, Mark, would be to get a table at the conference. He's I got. Just, he's got I a just, table. I just booked it tonight. <laughs> Good for Mark. He yeah. always puts his money where his mouth is. <laughs> so. And he's never kept a secret. <laughs> I can tell you that right now. I heard a good one about the Transfiguration. Why Peter, James, and John? And some of the early church fathers said it was this, that 
Peter was the one who loved the Lord the most. James was the one who was going to die first for Christ. First martyr. And John was the beloved disciple that Christ loved the most. I thought that was pretty hmm. pretty yep. insightful. It's yep. good. Very Love good. that. We have a guest that is going to blow your socks off, assuming you're wearing socks on St. <laughs> Patrick's Day. This is a real hero. Missy Stone is the face and the voice of a business called Reproduction. Reproduction. Excuse me. No. Reprotection. 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 See, it's a good yeah. thing that she's Repro- shaking my head here now. Reprotection.org. Missy, say hello to everybody out here. Hi, how are you? We're wonderful. Hey, everyone in Iowa. Yeah, I'm the CEO of Reprotection. And don't worry, you're not the only one that messes it up. It's a hard name to remember. I've only practiced it all day, Missy, <laughs> and I still got it wrong. Yeah, well, in, in defense of Tom, it is kind of an odd word. Like, I've never think I've seen the word reprotection before. What's, what's the background on that, Missy? Yeah. Where'd you come up with the name? Yeah, so uh, part of our founding group was uh, the founder of 40 Days for Life, David B. Wright. He was our uh, original board chair. And when we when the idea of reprotection was kind of forming and, and he was putting together a team to make it, make it a reality, we fought and fought and fought about what do we call this thing? Because um, we wanted something that sounded a little covert, you know, that didn't come across as outright mm-hmm. life, that we right. could kind of, um, you know, be, be a little bit secretive about what we're doing. And um, it was <laughs> it was finally him one day, he said, I, I was on a plane and I just had, you know, divine intervention of just let's take the word reproductive and protection and just put it together. And it turned into reprotection. Um, and wait, what's funny is when we did a test on it, even though it's hard to understand, even though it's hard to remember, people love it. People mm-hmm. love the name. And so we've stuck with it, um, even though people are like, I don't really get it. Um, it's hard to remember, but it's so interesting. And so we're like, okay, we'll stick with reprotection. Well, I'm glad that we talked about it a little bit because that will help our listeners remember it better. If they choose to go online and look you up, you're at reprotection.org. So, mm-hmm. um, but so thank you for the little lesson on where the name came from. So I got to know more, Missy. You talked about David over at 40 Days for Life. Mm-hmm. And your board of directors are the the founding members of it. What what was the conversation about? How did you get started? What was your objective? What were the conversations? Yeah, so a couple of years ago, probably starting in 2018, I, I, if I remember correctly, uh, there was a group of national leaders that actually met in secret to discuss this gap that they were seeing in the pro-life movement. And it was between the the regulations being passed on the state level and now whether that's abortion specific regulations or just general medical practitioner practitioner and facility regulations they were being passed at unprecedented amounts on the state levels but when when it came to the actual enforcement of those laws who was at the health department who was uh on the medical boards whoever was in charge of enforcing those laws were not doing it and so these abortion facilities despite the laws being on the books were remaining unregulated because these agencies didn't want to get involved they didn't want to regulate abortion they didn't want to deal with the backlash of the abortion industry and so there was this gap that needed to be filled of how do we ensure that the laws in the books are being enforced properly and so we started the conversation in indiana actually 
because Indiana had really robust pro-life laws, really robust abortion restrictions, and a uh, huge lack of enforcement. Um, and so uh, the test started in Indiana and Kentucky. Um, and David B. Wright uh, tapped me on the shoulder to say, hey, we've got this idea. We want to try to find out how abortion facilities are breaking the law and hold them accountable. So what does that look like? And so I had been at Students for Life of America for about six years. I'd built out pretty much their entire field programs. So he was like, you've built for life programs before. You can do it. And I said, okay, <laughs> let's try. Um, and the idea of reprotection was born. And it, the idea was, let's look at what laws are on the books. Let's talk to the, the community members. Let's find out how these abortion facilities are operating. Um, and then make sure they are held accountable. Wow. That's awesome. That that sounds like a very unique role in the in the pro-life efforts. Yeah. Does anyone else that do was, that? Honestly, no. And, and see, that's the thing. We actually took an entire year. So the ideas, the conversation started probably in 2018. In 2019, we took an entire year, completely secret, underground, and just tested it because we were not interested in starting another pro-life group just to start another pro-life group. If, if A, it wasn't going to work, or B, someone else was doing it, let's cheer them on. I, I was not interested in starting another pro-life organization. But as soon as we started having these conversations with pro-life leaders around different states, we identified that there was a huge gap. Wow. Uh, there was a huge need for actual enforcement, and nobody else was doing solely what we were doing to have have a, an organization dedicated specifically to that groups had tried to do it on the side you know some of the pregnancy centers or the sidewalk advocates or some of the right to life mm -hmm. groups had tried to do some you know research and, and enforcement stuff but it's so time consuming it takes so much work and takes a, a you know a lot of expertise that they would just give up because they're like, oh, I can't, I don't have time to do this. Mm -hmm. um, and they would get frustrated. And so we figured out that we were the only group saying, this is our only mission. This is the only thing we're going to focus on. Mm -hmm. um, and even national leaders like Jarrell Godsey at Heartbeat and uh, Lauren Muzik at Sidewalk Advocates were like, thank God <laughs> we've needed this so badly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I see so on your website. It was, that was really encouraging to find out that we're meeting a unique need. Yeah. Absolutely. I see on your website <clears throat> that you say for all states, the reprotection team observes each facility's adherence to laws regarding HIPAA. So those are some of the mm -hmm. laws you look at, patient privacy, OSHA, mm -hmm. so safety, wow. right? And general medical yeah. practices. So you really are kind of looking at, at a variety of laws, um, not yes. just maybe a, a law that pertains to the killing of a baby. Um, you're looking at all of it. Right. Because some people will say, well, my state doesn't regulate abortion. Like, you know, New York, California, Illinois. Well, right. they regulate everything else. You know, there's still codes that these abortion facilities have to adhere to as a business, as a building, as medical practitioners that are not abortion specific. And so even if they don't regulate abortion specifically, even if it's not like you know, Georgia or Alabama that have really, you know, robust pro-life laws, we can still work in these states because a lot of these abortion facilities mishandle patient privacy. 
and that's just a basic medical regulation or yeah we found that out right here i'm sure you can hear i'm sure you can tell all kinds of stories things are already coming to your mind of the stories you've heard well there was a planned parenthood office in dubuque it was here for eight years and when finally they left after having peaceful prayerful protesters praying outside their place every hour they were open when they finally left they left behind I don't know how many boxes 20, of 2,500 records of patient wow. records. Yeah. 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 And when the new that is owners. very illegal. <laughs> right? The new owners called and said, you've got files here. They're like, oh, okay, well, we'll come get them. And I don't know how long it took. I might have to find out. Yeah. But I could not believe that they just left patient records. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. In the, well, not locked, care. nothing, just in a box. Yep. Wow. Yeah. I mean, we, we kind of, we function on the assumption that if you're okay taking the life of the most innocent human being, then you're probably okay with bending some administrative rules. Like there's a little bit of moral decay <laughs> in this industry. And so uh, they tend to to break rules because um, they just think, A, they think that they're above it, they are entitled, they think people aren't going to regulate them because of abortion. But also uh, their, their moral compass is broken. And so they don't actually care about these patients. They don't care about their privacy. They don't care about their experience. They don't care when there's complications and all of those kinds of things can be reported to the appropriate agencies. So Missy, can I ask you a question? Are the people that are involved in your uh, reprotection uh, program, are they just local people? I mean, are they are they state officials or, or are they lawyers or... or can you kind of go into who's involved with this on a on a I'm going to say a local state and, and is there any tie-in mm-hmm. with the federal government with this? Yeah, so on the local level, we are predominantly working with let's say like the pregnancy center teams, um, the people that are actually meeting the clients and talking to them about their experiences. So they're hearing the stories from the women themselves or the sidewalk advocates who are witnessing things happening at the facility so they will call us and then i have a team of investigators and these are we are not attorneys um this is another unique way that we've kind of fit in the pro-life movement is we actually take cases that attorneys don't like these are not cases that end up in court we, we're not suing anybody um it's not medical malpractice and so there's actually this standard uh that we meet that attorneys aren't going to look at and so a woman feels like okay this thing happened to me but my only recourse is a lawsuit. No, it's not. You can report them to the medical boards. And so we take all of those cases. You don't have to be attorneys to do it. You just have to be a really good researcher and know how to navigate bureaucracy. My husband jokes and says, I read red tape for a living. I mean, it's really (laughs) what we do. Um, And so we take the report from the people who who the eyewitness testimony or the client themselves, and we find for every violation, there's an agency that's been assigned to that law to say, okay, if you break this law, you are, you fall under this agency's jurisdiction. So then we will go to that, that agency and say, okay, we have a complaint. What is their specific protocol? And so whatever violation we find informs kind of what the action is. So if it's a, if it's a practitioner, if it's a doctor, you know, typically we're going to the medical boards. If it's a nurse, then we're going to the Board of Nursing. If it's a building or facility, then it's the health department. Um, And so we really have to kind of let the violation tell us, you know, what are the next steps? And we find all of that. Now, we've had cases, like, especially when you're dealing with patient privacy, like that is a federal law. Um, And so we've had cases where we have 
file complaints with the federal agency that is over patient privacy. Um, so it just kind of depends on what we're seeing, what we're hearing, what kind of information we got from the local people on the ground. Um, and then we take that to the appropriate and relevant agencies. Okay, so Missy, then let's just in kind of thinking about this, a, a woman um, has visited a Planned Parenthood uh, place, and she comes out and, and she, you know, complains the way that the nurse treated her. So you mm -hmm. follow up that do you need that patient to be on board? Or what if the patient says, I don't want to get involved? Can you be her advocate? Yeah. Or do they say you have no standing in this? You know, well, how does that work? It kind of depends. Yeah. So what one of the things that makes what we do uh, so time consuming is that every state is different. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and even within state counties are different cities, you know, um, it really depends. But sometimes, again, it kind of goes back to depending on the violation, what what's most important to us is that the clients, that the women who have had abortion experiences or, or who went to the abortion, the, the most vulnerable person in this situation is the woman who went into that abortion facility. We never want her to feel pressured or, you know, like we are forcing her or putting her put it making her uncomfortable at all so if she says drop it we drop it okay you so know, we can we can just put that information in the back of our minds and say if next time we have some stuff but if it's if if a if a practitioner the at the facility witnessed it like there's other ways that people can advocate for her um but we never want to make it we never want to put the woman in, in a situation where she feels like we are using her for her story. And so we we preach that from the rooftops. Like when we're working in the pregnancy centers and silent advocates, like the well-being of the client comes first. Mm -hmm. um, but some women want that justice. Some women go, I had a bad experience. I want somebody to do something about it, you know, and, it, and it's kind of part of their healing, but some women don't. And mm -hmm. so we leave those stories alone um, unless there's somebody else that can step in and do the advocacy for Missy, her. let's hold over some of those stories for the uh, segment number two coming up. Our, our guest is Missy Stone. I think she's part bulldog, <laughs> and she uh, is the CEO. <laughs> the CEO of Reprotection, and uh, we'll be right back after this break on, on the chatter on FM 98.3 KCRD. We're back. You're listening to the chatter. We're coming up on um, on Wednesday the fifteenth. I know it's a big day, big conference. Terry and Jesse are coming in. This is going to be a, a great evening. Wednesday, March fifteenth, Grand River Center. That's on Bell Street in the Ice Harbor here in Dubuque, and you can still get tickets at kcrd-fm.org. Customer service is five six three two three one three five four five. And even Mark Hager calls up on the phone line and says, give me more tickets. I don't know. <laughs> you'd think you could go online, Mark. <laughs> you, one would think, right? But He you just know. wanted to talk he to He just you. wants I to just, talk. Uh, yeah, I do. You miss me, Tom. Give yeah. me two more tickets. So. <laughs> and we're selling tables of eight. Mark doesn't like them, so he's going for nine, nine. or ten at his table. So that's, that's He's an right. overachiever. Yeah, Mark's that's all right. Doors open at four, dinner at six. Terry Barber is in there. Um, Jesse Romero. I believe the... Um, 
the uh, Miller Singers are coming. Oh, good. And their um, sister, Marissa. Oh, good. We want to get some solos there. Good. Yeah, she has a beautiful voice. We got the rosary, right? Starting. We got the rosary going, and this is a real treat here. Magdalene Grace Dean, who runs Byzantium on on Bluff Street, mm-hmm. is coming over with what she calls her trunk show Ooh. of icons. Oh, that's, that's awesome, because I've been meaning to stop in that store and have yet to do it, so I'm ap- excited about that. I apologized on your behalf, <laughs> because you. she says Colleen has not come. <laughs> no, thank you. I'm glad to hear so that. So it's at 300, it's on the west side of the street, it's... Uh, it's between right the cathedral third, and yeah. the 4th Street yeah. elevator. So good stuff. They've got Byzantium tea. but And she also runs the school, uh, the master school of iconography. Oh, wow. She is wow. a lettered woman, and um, and she says, whenever you're having an event, I'm coming. So good. we're looking forward to that's it. Wonderful. Awesome. Yeah. So that's all happening Wednesday the 15th, which is a week from, uh, well, we're recording today on the 6th. You won't hear this until 10, 11, and 12. So. But when you hear it on 10, 11, and 12, you be sure that you call and get your tickets. It's going to be a great event. Yes, please do that. Or call Mark and he'll call me. <laughs> yeah, Mark's looking for someone to talk to. Mark, just give him your phone number. And can... <laughs> so Missy Stone is with us from Louisville, Kentucky. Good to have you uh Virtually in the studio, Missy, this this was quite a story in segment one, and you were just about ready to tell us a good story, and, and we had a cutoff. We were getting the end of the segment. Tell us uh, some of the stories that might be of interest to the listeners. Yeah. Yeah, so um, we officially incorporated in January of 2020, which... You remember what happened in 2020? The world. <laughs> I was there. Oh boy. Was um, that what happened? I mean, you incorporated, and the whole yeah. country fell apart. The whole world. And then the whole country fell apart. So we've really only been in true operation for one year. We, you know, last January was our big kind of introduction mm, into right. the, the pro-life movement, and and when investigations started flooding in. Since then, we have shut down two abortion facilities. We wow. have stopped three from opening. Um, we've gotten a, a couple fined and we're about any day now we're waiting, um, on the call. I can't tell you where, cause it's, we can't be public about it yet, but we're about to have our third closure any day now. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah, really? it, that's Thank awesome. You. It has been, it has just spread like wildfire. I mean, people all over the country have been, have been pouring in just stories after story after of just horrific things going on at their facilities. And How it's been people? a privilege to walk along these facility these these pro-life advocates and, and shut these facilities down sorry go ahead and ask your question before i tell you the story well, oh i was just wondering what's the hotline how do people find you because you're um mm-hmm. i had to do some searching to find you yeah yeah so reprotection.org on our website there's actually a, a button there that says report a violation so there's a whole form right there um oh my fire alarm is going off sorry oh, oh. <laughs> Sure, it's at your end. Welcome to working from home. Anything can happen. Let me meet I, myself. First, I thought it was Saunders' here. oven timer. I know. This is live radio. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she was talking about shutting down a couple of abortion facilities. And if you go to their website, mm-hmm. reprotection.org, there is a story of a, an abortion facility in Pensacola, Florida, yeah. which was the only abortion facility in northwest florida 
and they shut that one down January 2023. So that was just recently. That's we did 60 days did. ago. Yeah, so I I ran outside um, trying to get away from the smoke alarm. So hopefully, <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, just we hope about to tell the story. That's, we, we hope there's that's not a fire going on in there. No, no, it's just like it's my husband bless him cooking dinner. I was um, oh, that's they, when ours they, goes they, off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Honey, the noodles so, are done. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so yes, yeah, so you were just saying we we shut down this abortion facility in Pensacola, Florida. I mean, this was. This was a, a, a really tough case because in true form, um, the agencies responsible for mm. oversight were just so reluctant to step in mm. and regulate this facility. And the, the sidewalk advocates on the ground identified some, some really concerning behavior. Um, the thing that kind of tipped us off was they had lied on their... Uh, application to the state to be to be an abortion facility that they had a transfer agreement with a hospital in the state of Florida. You have to have a transfer agreement with a hospital in the case of emergencies um, or the physician has to have admitting privileges. And they said on their agreement, yes, we have these documents um, at this hospital. We contact the hospital. The hospital goes, no, we don't. <laughs> we don't mm -hmm. have this with them. Um, we took it to the state and, and it would seem at face value, okay, so what? They don't have a transfer agreement. You know, the abortion industry has said it's not a big deal. It's medically unnecessary, you know, all that stuff. Um, but what happened was three different patients had severe complications at this facility. They had somebody performing abortions who was a family medicine doctor. So he had no training in OBGYN care and he had no surgical training and he was doing late term abortion. Oh my lord. Oh. No training. No training doing late term abortion. He has so, major so complications. Wait wait a minute. Go through that again. What were the qualifications of this individual? Go through that again. He was a family medicine doctor. So imagine like being, you know, when you just need a checkup and you go to your your family medicine sure. doctor. He's not doing surgery. You know, if you want to, if you need something with OBGYN care, you go to an OBGYN. Right. This is a, a somebody who's trained to uh, treat OBGYN related things. This doctor had neither of those things. He had no surgery training and he had no OBGYN training. Doing late term abortions which is a very dangerous and complicated procedure. So you would define late term just for our just for our listeners. Late term abortion means. After 23, 24 weeks. Wow. Late. Wow. Late. You know, people may so, not realize how important it is that an abortionist have admitting privileges at a hospital because I'm on your website and I'm reading about the Pensacola, Florida clinic and patient one who came in for a second trimester abortion on May 5th, 2022, and the abortion wasn't completed because of a possible uterine rupture and cervical lacerations. Yeah. She lost a lot of blood, but no one knows how much because the writing on her chart is illegible. The clinic told her husband to drive an hour away to a hospital for mm -hmm. care. And by the time that yep. woman got there, she had undetectable blood pressure and required resuscitation and mass transfusion. Wow. So this is why it's so important that there's a local hospital. And you're saying that yes. they claim they had admitting privileges, but they didn't. So good investigation for not. you. 
They did not. And and when we tried to get the agency to step in, they were like, they, they weren't understanding how important this was until three women ended up in the hospital almost now, dead. Now, and what agency is nobody this? Died. Missy, what agency? Uh, it's, it's called ACA, Agency for Healthcare Administration. It's, and, it's Florida's version of their health department and medical boards. And, and you couldn't get um, their attention. They paid no yeah, attention. Yeah, why were they reluctant to step in? when? These... Because it's an abortion facility. It's an abortion facility. They do not want to, whether that's from their own politics or they don't want to deal with the backlash of abortion facility you know because when when the abortion industry is regulated they just constantly cry foul and they'll sue and you know they they make such a a a fuss about it that a lot of these agencies just don't want to deal with it and so they are so reluctant to step in and regulate these facilities because they don't want to be seen as the people that are restricting abortion you know this was before when, when when we were pushing for this investigation it was before roe was overturned um, and so everybody just just was really scared to be the one that that uh, regulates these facilities. But what that what that resulted in is is uh, just created a hotbed of of seedy abortion facilities. It just created these really dangerous places that these women were going, in a in a time of vulnerability, you know. And so when it, when the when the medical board went back and and interviewed this physician and the office manager that were involved not only did they not have this transfer agreement he didn't even know what the emergency protocols were he had no Mm. idea he didn't even know where he was supposed to send them Mm. the medical records had nothing in them they weren't monitoring their vitals this one of the women allegedly sat in her car for an hour and was just bleeding until they said you need to go it was like two in the morning so you need to drive two in the morning an hour away yes so, yes. Missy, yes. these women, okay, so this facility is shut down, but do these women that have been so traumatized and hurt and injured in these things, do they have any recourse against these facilities or yeah. doctors or anything? Yeah. Yeah, specifically in these cases, um, this would be considered medical malpractice. Um, so if these women wanted to, they could sue this doctor and sue that facility because they have they they've lost organs um and a lot of them but i think if not all three of them at least two of them had to have hysterectomies they you know they have permanent damage to their bodies from these uh these complications and so they can file a medical malpractice lawsuit if they wanted to so would they so you just said they would be able to sue this dr saputa would they also be able to sue the state of florida for not um, making sure that these records were accurate, that they were told yeah. or not. You know, that is an interesting idea. <laughs> go for it, Missy. Oh. Missy the pit bull, go for we it. Have... <laughs> Leave it to Colleen to throw a bone to the pit bull. <laughs> yeah. Holy yeah. We should go after the state yeah, of Florida because like... they're not, they're negligent. Well, what's interesting, Colleen, so if you go on our website, you, you referenced another story mm-hmm. recently the, after this case, I I got a call from, I got, let me just say, I got a call from some pretty high up state leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, they, it scared them. It, it scared them. And they have started working so hard. They have buckled down on their 
uh, enforcement on you're, abortion. You're talking, you're talking Florida? Yes. Good, because that one that yes. closed was in Northwest Florida, but you know there are other yep. ones in the state of Florida. And if the whole, oh, yeah. if the state medical board is nervous, that's a good thing. Yeah, no doubt. Yes. Yeah. It, it spooked them. It really did. And so they've actually really buckled down. And so you'll see they have started fining abortion facilities left and right for they they sent you know agencies agents out to investigate okay are the facilities you know adhering to the 24-hour waiting period um are they doing proper informed consent they're they are really looking into it now and so we've we've actually commended florida's um leadership for for waking up to this uh issue and starting to really regulate these facilities you know i have a question for you missy and and I'm, i don't mean to put you on the spot and i will totally understand if if you um have no comment on this story but you know the state of iowa um we're, we're there's a lot of pro-lifers here and we have passed some good pro-life laws and after um the w- one week before dobbs passed the iowa supreme court reversed a four-year-old Iowa Supreme Court decision that said there was a right to abortion in the Constitution. And the mm. new composition of the Iowa State, of the Iowa Supreme Court said there is no right to Constitution in the state. And then a week later, Dobbs happened. And then our governor, Reynolds, started saying, we want that heartbeat bill enforced. Um, we want these things enforced, right? And our attorney general said, I'm not going to do it. Do you yeah. ever run into situations where attorney generals or people, those agencies just say, we're not going to mm-hmm. do it? Yeah. Yeah, we have. We have, um, especially post Dobbs. So post Roe versus Wade, the decision that made abortion legal when it was overturned in the Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization. Mm-hmm. Um, they A lot of... of especially district attorneys mm-hmm. um, and attorney generals have come out and said, we're not going to enforce that. And there are state legislators that are, are looking at, okay, how do we ensure enforcement? Like mm-hmm. you can't just pick and choose what mm-hmm. laws you're going to exactly. enforce. That, 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 that is unethical, um, at least unethical, you know, if, if not illegal. Um, but really it, it comes down to the relationships that we build with these agencies and and state leadership. So if the attorney general is not going to enforce anything, well, he probably doesn't have jurisdiction over the rules that we need enforced, you know, because honestly, the attorney general, we we rarely work with those offices. But if the governor's on board, okay, we can get some things done. Um, So it really comes down to finding the violations that are in the jurisdiction of people that are willing to cooperate. And if they're not willing to cooperate, you know, you tell the PACs and the C4s to get them mm-hmm. out of their <laughs> out of their seat. You know, we're a 501c3, so we can't do that. Mm-hmm. But I know people um, who are big pro-life, you know, endorsers. Um, so I'll make some phone calls and say, these people are not working with us. Right. Um, and well, they can make things happen. Yeah. Or I, we, you know. Well, yeah, you had said earlier that lots of places have robust pro-life laws, but the problem was the lack of enforcement. So I imagine this is yeah. probably more common than we think. Um, that yes. they're just not willing to enforce. Yeah. Yeah, and, and if we're not paying attention, who is? Exactly. Well, and going so back... It takes a lot of time. Sorry, go ahead. Going, going back to that point, 
it, wouldn't it be similar in Iowa if somebody has complications and things like they did in Florida, and all of a sudden people step up and say, hey, you know what, I'm going to sue the state of Iowa because, you know, mm-hmm. and along with the malpractice thing, I mean, wouldn't that be put the fear of God in, in these the state of Iowa. I guess they we could, could only hope the attorney general for not enforcing <laughs> the law. Right. Exactly. Yeah. The hey problem, guys, we're coming yeah, up on. We're coming. Little... Go ahead, okay, Missy. Good. We got thirty seconds. It's so interesting. It's so interesting. I, I will say you're getting a little out of our wheelhouse because we're not attorneys. Um, but you know it. It. It's a. It's. It is an option. <laughs> yeah. It's all right, Missy. Mark's not an attorney, but it's never stopped him before. So. He doesn't even play one on TV. No. <laughs> I did stay at the Holiday Inn last <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Missy Stone is our guest. She's with a group called Reprotection, and they hold abortion facilities' feet to the fire like nobody else. We'll be right back after these announcements on FM 98.3 KCRD. We're back in the studio. This is The Chatter on Monday, March 6th. We're airing the 10th, 11th, and 12th. And Missy Stone is our uh, our guest, and we'll be back with Missy here after we remind everybody, including Mark, you've got an odd number of tickets, Mark, you need to increase to... Uh, to 30. 30. <laughs> Thank you. That's a name. Terry and Jesse is live here in Dubuque, Wednesday, March 15th. It's the Grand River Center. That's in the Ice Harbor. It's Bell Street, 500 Bell Street, and you can get your tickets online at kcrd-fm.org or customer service. The voicemail is 563-231-3545, and our ticket master, Chris Ehlers, will be back. Doors open at about 4. That's awesome. You know, it is our spring fundraiser, and um, we really do need people's support. You know, this is this station is run by the goodwill of the people that donate their their dollars to us. And, you know, we're not just a little radio station in little Podunk, Mm-mm. Dubuque, Iowa. No. Besides the podcast, you know, we have the Bellowing Ox. And you just sent me an email the other day from a woman in Indianapolis who gets the Bellowing Ox. I don't know if she gets it in her mailbox or online. She wants free, 50 free rosaries. Right. And Isn't we're that amazing, them, right, Indianapolis? Right over behind you there. We just pulled them out, getting yeah. them ready. Yeah. So to... the outreach of this little station here is really incredible when you think about it. But we couldn't do it without all of our supporters. And so I hope that we have a good turnout um, at the conference and um, and everyone's generous with their donations. Because we sure do appreciate it. We do appreciate it. We need you. We need you. So we've got Missy Stone in the house. Reprotection is the name of this business. It's a nonprofit organization that holds the feet of abortion providers to the fire. Oh, and and in talking with Missy, I'll tell you, I've been in the pro-life fight a long time in my life, but talking with Missy's kind of getting my fire going again. Um, Her so, mood changed since she walked in here. Right? So it's getting my <laughs> Irish up. Yeah. So, <laughs> Just well, in time for St. Patty's Day. <laughs> This is what my husband calls my justice o meter. Like when I just feel like there's a really big injustice, I just go woo, like it just goes way up. Like I hate it. Yeah. I feel like there's something wrong that needs to be right. And your response is is so normal for 
like every conversation I've had with people when they ask me what I do and I start explaining to them these horrific things going on inside these abortion facilities, everybody responds in this, it just gets them fired up because it just is so wrong. It is so wrong. It's so wrong. Yes. Yeah. So tell us what we can do. How how can we help you? Because we're fired up here now and and what can we do? you we need help because when we came on the scene last year it was like an explosion went off of the amount of people that are reporting violations from all over the country and we can barely keep up with these investigations because it is they are time consuming uh they are tedious i mean it is a lot it takes a lot of manpower to to do these investigations they're typically um two and a half years uh, long, it's, it's probably oh costs about 50, 50 grand or more to shut down a facility. I mean, it is a lot of work and we are getting calls from all over the country. I think right now we're upwards of 50 investigations. Um, we've shut down two facilities. We've got another one coming any day now. We've stopped three facilities from opening. We need help. We need people to come alongside us who believe in our mission who can see that we are answering a real problem with effective, strategic, and measurable results. We have measurable results. We can look at these facilities and say, they are shut down. Women and children in these communities will be saved because they are no longer operating. You can't get that. You can't get any realer than that. And so we need people to come alongside us and support our ministry um, so we can open more investigations. Well, exactly. In your name, reprotection. Now I kind of get it. These yeah, are women yeah. <laughs> and women and children that need to be protected. So, Missy, yeah. tell us where do you get your funding? How how do you keep this m- yeah. going? People, uh, individuals, donations. We are a five hundred one c three nonprofit organization. So every gift is tax deductible. But we are uh, solely funded by people who believe in our mission. So you're, and, you're, you're funded uh, by Main Street, not Wall Street. Yes, yes. We are funded by, by faithful pro-lifers um, who want to see abortion facilities shut down. Um, the problem is that we need more of it so we can shut down more facilities. I mean, it, the, the time that we are able to invest in each investigation, we can shut these facilities down faster if we can hire more people to be focused on those locations. I mean, wow. it is... It is, there's such a strong correlation between when we can really dedicate the time, we can shut these facilities down faster. So whether that's giving, you can go to our, our website, reprotection.org slash donate, you can give, or you can volunteer. I, I always kind of laugh, like our, our work, I say like calling all pro-life introverts. Like these are the people <laughs> who are not necessarily the ones that are gonna be out on the sidewalk or, or gonna do the, the protesting. These are people that wanna be behind the scenes, they love to read and research and the policy and legal stuff is so fascinating to them. Like when I'm talking to crowds, I can just see some people's eyes glaze over. They're like, "Ugh, no, thank you. And there's other people that go, oh, my gosh, that sounds amazing. So um, so some somebody them. out this way could yeah. get into the uh, code of of law for the county yeah. health department or the mm-hmm. uh, the code of the uh, state yeah. legislature and they could yep. help read that and do some paralegal type yep. of uh, not not strictly yes. speaking but you know, they could they could clerk yeah. for the uh, investigation of code that is 
is a great way. I, I, I usually liken what we do to paralegal work because we are the ones that are really digging into the code because we have to identify, did a violation occur? Okay, where is the actual line in the 400 pages of documents that says specifically mm-hmm. this is the violation? And then we got to find who's, you know, so it's a lot of reading, but to some people they go, oh my gosh, that, to me, that sounds so fascinating. Mm-hmm. I love it. I think it's like a treasure hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you if you find that interesting, we would love your help. We would love your help. We will put you to work. And they can do that from home, right? I mean, anywhere. Yes. Anywhere. Our team is is fully remote. What's amazing, too, is that you can be looking up code at any time of the day. You know, so mm-hmm. we have volunteers that do it. You know, one of our volunteers is a, a law student. So she can be reading code at two in the morning. It doesn't matter. You know, so we're not really restricted to that nine to five business hours because research is research you can do it anytime i could really see someone who's retired from nursing or someone who's retired from you know the city government or something that has a strong sense of justice and the women that are being hurt and the babies that are being killed saying this is a way that i can be behind the scenes i know my way around you know either the the system or you know, and where to and go help. to find the information mm-hmm. that you need, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. you know, because that's that in itself is a, like you said, a chore and time consuming yeah. sometimes that you can't, you look at these documents and you go like, well, where is this in the, you know, where is I, it? Yeah. I've been on some of those websites and they drag you through pages and pages <laughs> of stuff that's meaningless. You mean the government's Give- not run efficiently? <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, spe- you know what? Shocked. Especially in this area, the what I'm talking about is the abortion industry. Mm-hmm. They hide stuff so well that mm-hmm. you know you can't find stuff. Yeah. yeah, we have to dig, and it takes a certain type of personality. It takes a takes a lot of perseverance. Our our unofficial motto is persistently pro life. Like we are just persistent, and we just keep at it. We keep at it until we have the information that we need that it gets into the right hands, and we. See it all the way through, um, but that is a long and tedious pro- uh, process. Missy, when you get to the end of one of the, or close to the end of, I mean, are you actually in court then at that point to shut these down? No, no. so we okay. don't ever have to see a courtroom. That's the amazing thing. It's like we're not attorneys. We don't have to take anybody to court. We just have to get it in the hands of the investigators of the agency, and they do all the work once we get them to actually do it. But it, it we don't have to go to court. Nobody has to testify anywhere. Sometimes the investigators will call, you know, the eyewitnesses just to to get. Um, but it's not at all like a legal proceeding, um, which is great because that saves us time and 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 doesn't doesn't put anybody in a position where they have to get on a on a stand and like you know relive their trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, no, we just have to get it to the agency and then they do their own investigations. A couple times this has occurred to me, and I don't know if it's a if it's a good analogy or not, but I keep thinking of Al Capone being busted on tax evasion. Yes, yes, <laughs> I use that all the time. I okay, say. then it's okay. Okay, all right, good. Because I keep I'm thinking like, that we should have never introduced the two of them. To be <laughs> Missy, we're having coffee every day the rest of my life. I know. Let's do it. I love it so much. No, it really is. It really is. It's like we're taking down these giants based on. Uh, administrative rules, you know, on on things that typically um, are overlooked and ways that they are breaking the laws that they're not paying attention to, or they think they're not going to get caught. I mean, it is it, it they are smart, 
Um, they are elusive. They will they will do anything they can to cover it up. But if 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 we have a dedicated team that can can be focused solely on uncovering this information and getting into the right hands, we can shut down a lot of abortion facilities. But drive that point home for a minute, Missy. These these regulations, these these laws, um, these standards are in place locally mm-hmm. and in the county level and mm-hmm. at the state level for a reason. They are the right. will of the uh, people by way of their elected uh, legislators and county officials. So it isn't as though you're making something up. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. right. No, I mean, we have, do- and we are really, we have a high standard for like documentation, evidence. I mean, we are not just sh- shooting at, you know, throwing mud at a wall. I mean, we are documenting these instances from eyewitness testimony, firsthand um you know documentation and we're taking it these agencies i mean these are these are very real things going on that we are holding these account uh these these uh facilities accountable for i mean um it is strategic it is it is very um okay so it's like death by a thousand cuts almost Mm -hmm. but it's very particular and exact like we are looking at these cases and going okay where are the vulnerabilities Who's around? You know, how can we get this information? Who who needs to have this exact information? Like it, it is really meticulous and exact mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. So, Missy, let me ask you a question. Is and we'll just pick the state of Iowa for an example. Sure. If if so, there's say something happens at a in a clinic here in Iowa, and right. and it continues to go on or or doesn't, but somebody gets injured. How I mean how. Do they get that information to you? How do you find out about that? Is it just from the local people, like you said, or yeah, it is okay. We've built such a strong network, so we're the official reporting group for Sidewalk Advocates for Life, the national Sidewalk Advocates for Life, and for Heartbeat International, and for NIFLA, which is another um, a pregnancy resource center affiliate. So they have all brought us on and said, okay, if we if one of our affiliates hears something we refer them to you. So we've actually built out this really large network all over the country that if a sidewalk advocate that's affiliated with the national group hears of something and they call their program, they go, you call reprotection. And so that's how we've gotten so many, we've gotten the word out so quickly um, that that you come to us with those violations. So right in Dubuque, Thankfully, praise God, we closed the local Planned Parenthood clinic. Yeah, it's so, amazing. <clears throat> so how in Dubuque might we join you all mm-hmm. in in what you're doing if yeah. there's not a there's no sidewalk counseling going on anymore? Mm-hmm. How how can mm-hmm. we help? Yeah. Are there pregnancy centers? There is a yep, there's a yep. clarity clinic and there's birthright. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of pregnancy so centers. There, it's not that the women in your community are not having abortions. They're just not having them in, in Dubuque. And right. so when they travel, so mm-hmm. the stories that I get from Iowa are they go up to, uh, or like like South Dakota, they come down to Iowa and then they go back up to, to South Dakota or in Nebraska, you know, there's, there's a lot, in, especially post-docs, how all the states have changed. There's a lot of, of interstate commerce when it comes to abortion. Women are traveling to these facilities to get abortions. So mm-hmm. 
even though you don't have the facility in your community, you have women that are traveling to facilities in your community and they can still have a, a terrible experience. And mm -hmm. so we've had to say, hey, just because your facility shut down. So I'm in Kentucky. Abortion is is almost completely illegal. We have a very we have a very strict exception, but it's there. But it, it is severely restricted here in Kentucky. I had to tell everybody your job's not over because the women here are just going to Southern Illinois and they're having horrific experiences and mm -hmm. we can still hold them accountable and we need, we need to know what's going on. Well, and and so Dubu those pregnancy centers still need to listen mm -hmm. for those stories. Well, Dubuque is one mile to Illinois and one mile to Wisconsin. Exactly. So I can yes. see people easily mm -hmm. heading over to Chicago to yep. have an abortion instead of Iowa City, which is also a huge abortion capital. But yeah. I would think then besides your crisis pregnancy centers, I would think that um, emergency room physicians would be seeing mm -hmm. like uh, those yep. ladies we talked about earlier yep. that had to drive over an hour to a hospital. I would think yep. that the emergency room workers would yep. need to know about, yeah. um, you know, yep. your organization if they see something yeah. and, and even if yep. they don't want to get in trouble with their uh, hierarchy, you know, just to make a call. Yeah. Yeah. I, and my, and we were just talking, I'm gonna let you guys in on a, on a, a new idea. I was talking to my team today and we're like, we need to do a training for emergency responders. Like yes. that would just yep. be amazing to yep. say, now that we're seeing more chemical pills, yep. women taking pills online from online or whatever that shouldn't be taking them with more complications, that stuff needs to be reported. Yep. And like people in, in, in the first responding world, they're the ones that are getting these calls. So Somebody wants to uh, support that. Somebody wants to underwrite that. It's ready to go. The idea is there. We just need somebody to. <laughs> we're gonna. <laughs> make it we're gonna have to bring Missy back. Missy, we're we're coming up on the uh, end of the chatter here on yeah. segment number seventy nine. But can we get you to come back and talk about that Absolutely. emergency responder and? Oh yeah. Colleen has been all over this uh, abortion by chemicals, the pills coming on, yeah. and, and Colleen, that's yeah. that's a show right there. Oh my gosh, yeah. it is a show right there. We've yeah, got a new we can, segment. I can talk all day. <laughs> Missy, we're going we're gonna to beg you to do a new segment for our magazine. You get that over at your place in Louisville, <laughs> the mm -hmm. Bellowing Ox. I can see a quarter page with uh, the injustice meter. Um, <laughs> and and we, we, need, we need to have the injustice <laughs> yeah. meter and, yes. and focus on, on what's going on uh, mm -hmm. across the country. Agree. Yeah. Doing yeah. that. I love it. Our guest is Missy Stone. And her fire alarm out of Louisville, Kentucky. <laughs> What's for dinner? Five alarm chili, I bet. Five alarm yeah, yeah. Louisville, Louisville uh, chili. Reprotection. Tur turkey burger. Yeah, turkey burgers. Oh. He's making turkey burgers in, in the cast iron. That's what did it. Evidently, they're well done. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Reprotection.org is her website. Uh, Missy, give us, give us your contact information beyond the website, too. Yeah, yeah. Everything's on reprotection.org. If you want to find out more about what we do, info at reprotection.org, I-N-F-O at reprotection.org. Shoot us an email. Um, we're, you know, happy to respond as much as we can. Otherwise, everything's on our on our website. Um, hope you can come alongside what we're doing. And you'll take volunteers and donations. Yes. All tax yes, deductible. Absolutely. 501c3 yes. tax yes. deduction. All right. Yes. Missy, we'll have you back. Thanks for coming in today. Yeah, Thanks, Missy. Thank you, guys. We're going to end with a prayer you. here in the name of the Father, Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Glory be, be to, to the, the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, Spirit as, as it was in the beginning, beginning is now, and ever shall be, 
World, World Without, Without End. End. Amen. Amen. Mark Hager. Colleen Pasnick. I'm Tom Oglesby for Missy Stone. Tune in again next week. We love you. <laughs>